So, hello Moritz, welcome to hey. another one. <laughs> Looks pretty nice where you are, where are you? Yeah, I'm right now in Thailand once more, and uh, actually precisely in Pattaya, like in a nice... <laughs> not in this area of Pattaya. <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> that's what they always say. I'm having a good time here in the hotel. I woke up in the morning with some uh, my chart analysis, went long, some short day in, and uh, made some good profits, had a breakfast, went to the gym, went swimming, back to work now. Good life, man. <laughs> That's good. Yeah, I just came back from taking my dog out. Uh, it's now still early in Germany. But yeah, it's a beautiful day. Time to do some charting afterwards. But uh, yep. since you guys all like the, the Q&A from the last time, we are doing those maybe regularly if we can align our schedules somehow. So keep posting your questions in the comments below. Um, so that we have questions that we can answer. The more questions we have, the more likely it is we will do those Q&As. All right, so let's start with the first one. Um, how can I stick to my strategy and my rules? Because after I am in a drawdown, I feel like giving up. You wanna start? All right, firstly, like define drawdown because a drawdown is not a drawdown, it's not a drawdown. I was like, uh, if you have a 5% drawdown, it's like, nothing depending on your position size of course like you should firstly you should look at r r multiples and then look at your historical performance backtest performance define what is a drawdown for you and where you should stop trading where or where you should um, start looking uh, taking a closer look at your performance once you have established that for me that is 20 percent, for example like when i'm down 20 percent from my highs i call that a massive drawdown <laughs> That's a trading stop for me, basically, where I stop trading completely. When I'm down 10%, I go to half position size. And that's my, uh, until I'm back to minus 5%, and then I go back to full position size. So that's my measures against like going into a deep drawdown. But um, if you have problems with keep keeping, sticking to your strategy while in a drawdown, then you have to ask yourself, what makes you stop believing in your strategy? Like, what is your, why can you not believe in your strategy? Did you not backtest it enough? Is it your own strategy? Or did you take it, take it from someone else, from a mentor, from us, for example, that how you have to find out how to create belief in that strategy so you can stick with it through drawdowns because drawdowns will come with every strategy. <laughs> and one, yeah, and once you trade through the first drawdown with a strategy and you come out on top, that's when you feel like the king. <laughs> it's going to change your whole trading forever. The first time you can really stick with your strategy when you are in a drawdown. That's what's going to turn you into a winning trader. Yeah, yeah it's kind of like when you are on a diet and then you yeah. go to McDonald's and then next day you just go back to your diet or you keep eating McDonald's. <laughs> but what, exactly. I, what I wanted to say is... Um, People always say they're in a drawdown, but then when you look at their trades, they actually just trade very poorly. Um, and they're not really in a drawdown, but they're just breaking their rules anyway, or they don't have a very well-defined um, system to begin with. So their losses, they are not really the result of the trading strategy that somehow fails because the market just didn't agree, but their losses are just yeah, what they deserve after all because they broke their rules. And that's, I think, the first step where you have to where you have to start. Are you really in a drawdown, or are you just trading poorly? 
Yes. And then if you're trading poorly, and if you recognize that, then I think that can be a very, very good, um, yeah, very good observation because then you know, okay, that's actually, it's my, it's my mistake and it's up to me to, to turn it around quite easily if I just go back to respecting the rules. Yeah, it's a, it's a, that's a good point. It's also a mindset shift. Like, don't be afraid of drawdowns. Just see drawdowns like every losing trade is getting you closer to your next winning trade. And also see a drawdown or losing trades as a great opportunity to learn. Because it's easy to say, okay, good trade gone bad. It's very, very easy to say that. But most of the time you made a mistake. Like, I can go over all my losing trades and maybe 5% of my losing trades are good trades gone bad. For all the other trades, I can always find something which I can improve on. And that's just a mindset shift. Like, I don't feel bad about drawdowns. They just come with trading. It's just... That's just how it works. Yeah, yeah yesterday I posted um, something that the normal person focuses on the problem, whereas the successful person focuses on how to, to solve it. Um, and that's yeah. something, when you look around you, people, they love to complain, um, they love to blame, uh, because that's the, I think that's the easy, that's the easy way out. Just it doesn't require anything from you. You just complain and get it out. It gives you attention a little bit as well. Yeah. But if you really want to go over the, the problem, and by the way, that's really annoying to, to talk to those people because uh, they're just like, they suck out your energy and they just put you down. But if you are really around a successful person, they will ask themselves, okay, that's what I'm dealing with. Um, first of all, why did this happen? Is there something that I can do in the future? Mm. Um, yeah, how can I improve it? What is what is it that I can do the next time to avoid it? And then trading, I think, you just ask yourself, okay, what would cause the loss? And then you can understand, was it just um, maybe something in the market dynamics changed? Maybe you're using normally a very tight stop loss, but now you have high volatility market environment and you need to bigger, have a bigger stop loss. And then you will learn something and you keep adapting. And I think that's, yeah, it's, uh, there's... Oh, as always, there's no quick fix, but there's just uh, the process, I think, that needs to be improved. Yeah, yeah, process and mindset shift, definitely. Yeah. And I think this can bring us to the next question, which is somehow in line with that. It's, uh, um, it's, it's my question, actually, to you, um, <laughs> because I find it interesting. Um, Exciting. This no. A few days ago, um, on the weekend, you said that you were going through your your first quarter of trading or yeah. trades, and then you said you were looking for ways to to improve your strategy. What is it when you have a a good strategy already? What what do you look for to make it even better? And how do you do that? Uh, what I do is that every quarter I backtest again all the pairs or instruments that I took trades on or normally trade. I will backtest them again and see what is the discrepancy between my real um, performance and my backtest performance. And usually, or always, the backtest performance is better. Why? Because firstly, I'm not missing trades. Secondly, there are no emotions, so I can play the trades perfectly. So that's like, I always leave at least 10% on the table every quarter, sometimes more. And even though my performance is amazing, <laughs> it still annoys me a lot. 
<laughs> that's horrible, right? I mean, yeah. So there, there's always a way to to improve in in that place. So I'm asking myself, why did I miss that trade, for example? Why did I mismanage that trade? And why did I not take that trade, even though it was a good trade? And why did I take that trade, even though it was a bad trade? And then I just go over my journal again. I compare my journal notes. Uh, to the backtest trades and then I just try to find where my process or my mindset went wrong. Like what, what led me to making the wrong decision? Uh, what led me to start drinking at 2 p.m. instead of looking at the charts? <laughs> Stuff like that. Yeah. Okay. Uh, so you, you basically replay your trading months or week or quarter? Yeah, I do it every quarter, so I, I replay completely. You can do it with trading view, for example, just bar by bar, completely replay the whole quarter and then compare your performance, your backtest performance to your actual performance. No, yeah. okay. it's a huge learning opportunity. And do you keep uh, stats and how do you keep how do you do that from the process? I think that will be interesting to see. Yeah, it's like for backtesting, I don't keep as detailed a journal as for forward testing because it take me ages and I just want to do it in like one afternoon or two afternoons but uh, for backtesting I just basically uh, when I take a trade I like entry exits dates uh, instrument and why I took the trade and what the setup was and then I have my backtesting journal and my uh, real tr live trading journal I put them next to each other and then I take a look at uh, like how did I manage the trade in the backtest how did I manage it live and so on yeah, yeah. Cool. Yeah, that's uh, also a good thing because many people contact us um, saying, hey, Edwong um, looks nice, but it can take a lot of time to journal their trades. And I think it is also you need to ask yourself, um, yes, of course, you can input the highest, the lowest, was your take profit hit, all your 10 custom statistics, entry and exit comments, but um, you always need to ask yourself what it is that you are currently working on. And that's what I always recommend when I when people or when I ask them what do you want to improve, and they say, for example, my trade management. Then I say, okay, then blur out all the rest. Maybe make an entry and exit comment. Look at the highest, the lowest price, and then neglect all the rest. And then you can speed up your journaling process a lot. And you just focus on yeah. really on the on the thing that you are that you want to work on. And then journaling becomes not tedious, and it's also very very goal oriented. That you know what you're working towards. And yeah, I think we, we kept, uh, yeah, we kept Edgefunk already very slim and people are still complaining. Like, <laughs> I mean, this is a job in the end. Uh, trading is a job. And if you complain that you have to put in the work, then what are you doing? I mean, uh, do something else. Just, yeah. I don't, I don't get it. Right. Yeah. In the end it's uh, trading. People always, they say they know that, um, Trading is just like being an entrepreneur and working for yourself. But you will never find a successful entrepreneur who who doesn't know his numbers, who doesn't know how much he's how much he sold last month, he, who doesn't yeah. know what his inventory is, how much he's selling it for, how much he's buying it for. So this is um, we we sometimes talk about this like a the starving artist who who wants to be an artist but has no idea of um, business or marketing or any of that and then he maybe have good art but everything around it is uh, broken and in yeah. trading people just like to look at the fancy indicators try a new entry and exit strategy but they neglect all 
all around and they don't know anything about their data, how they're actually performing. One thing I always, um, an easy question that gets the people always is when I ask them, do you remember your last 10 trades on top of your mind? And then obviously nobody knows that or not in depth. I would argue no one knows their last 10 trades. Um, and then that already shows you the, the need for having not only not Edgewonk, but a way of just uh, recording your trades and periodically going through that so you actually know what you're doing. Otherwise, you're always stuck in the same rut. Yeah, and a lot of people, they journal and then they never go back <laughs> and look over their old trades. That's ridiculous as well. Like, obviously, journaling is not enough. You also have to review your trades. So... <laughs> Yeah. And this is not a promo for Edgewong. You can just start with anything you can. I have, even here, I have many um, notepads around me that you can use. Just have a way or start with collecting screenshots from your trades and then go through them. You will already yeah. learn a lot. Just start slowly, but you need to do something so you have a record actually of what you have been doing. Exactly, yes. Thank you. <laughs> okay, then um, let's try something very different. Moritz. Question for you, what type of meditation works best for you? Guided, uh, with an app, or freestyle? Uh, I started with guided in the beginning because actually you have no idea what you are doing. So guided works quite well, I think. But then after some time, guided becomes very annoying because oh, they, yeah. <laughs> every time you're going, just, just a moment you go deeper, they start talking again and say, what the fuck is this? Yeah. So, <laughs> Once you know kind of what you're doing, whether you want to do uh, a mantra or you want to take care of your breath or once you get the awareness, how your mind works and you feel the thoughts coming in and you know how to let them go and everything, you learn that. It takes maybe, I don't know, 20 guided meditations or so. You can do it in a month. Just go over to uh, like freestyling. And then what I like to do is 10 minutes of um, like quieting my monkey mind and then I like to do manifestations basically where I think about where I want to go in the future and I try to like make it as vivid as possible and get all of that vision into my brain and then during the day I can basically uh, draw from that energy that I get in the morning so that's how I do it I had tried before to meditate like one hour, two hours, only listening to my breath, but that gets kind of tedious and it's not really for me. Like, <laughs> I like also moving meditations, Qigong, for example, uh, Tai Chi, like they are moving meditations, they are called from, from China. So that's pretty awesome as well. If normal meditation doesn't work for you, try that one first maybe. Because, yeah, the purpose of meditation is just to quiet your mind, and that works whether you're sitting or you're moving. Yeah, yeah I, I've been doing meditation for a long time, always on and off. Uh, and then yeah. recently, a few weeks, um, I got back into it after the book you recommended from Michael Singer. Yeah. Uh, and he, he stresses a lot the, the fact that you have somebody living in your, in your mind, and once you're aware of this guy, it really is, it's, it's really starting to piss me off because it's always the same. The moment you wake up, it's always the same thoughts, random thoughts. And um, yeah, it's, uh, I, I just listened when I was uh, taking out my dog to, the, to a podcast with um, the, an Indian monk 
who came back um, to, to the US and who is now doing retreats and stuff. And he said that while he was in a, in a monastery, um, they were not meditating like 12 hours every day. They were meditating maybe an hour or 90 minutes every day. But everything during the day was so that it leads up to this meditation. When they, when they ate, they ate. When they worked, they worked. Um, when they talked, they talked. They didn't have their phone here. Or when you eat, you don't have 10 browser tabs or watch Netflix. When you're out with your spouse, you don't have, um, yeah, you get idea. And that is, um, I think that's, that's the most, um, that's a very, very interesting uh, idea, I think, because, yeah, one hour every day, it's like when you want to get in shape, you go 60 minutes into the gym and then you go out and eat burger and pizza and drink beer. That's not going to help. <laughs> it's, uh, it's, it's the, yeah, it's like, he has also the example from Usain Bolt, the, the uh, Olympia gold guy, the sprinter. Everything he does in his life, like nutrition, sport, rest, mindset work, it's only for those nine seconds. Uh, he doesn't run all day, but he, everything around it is preparing him for those nine seconds where he runs. I think that's a, so it requires like a, like a mindset shift. Yeah, I have, to, I have the same mindset towards trading actually. Like everything I do, I am thinking about it. Would this be beneficial to my trading performance when I am in front of the charts? Does this help my decision-making ability or is it going to annoy me or stress me out or whatever? And then when I get to the charts, I have already a bad mood or I'm in a bad mindset, which is also, by the way, why I do a 10 minutes meditation before even looking at the charts to get into that quiet bubble, the trading bubble where I want to be when I make decisions uh, regarding my financial future. <laughs> yeah. Not with Netflix open and your, your phone yeah. on the other side. Exactly. Uh, yeah. uh, you, you touched on manifestation and um, everybody probably knows the, the movie The Secret. Um, yeah. And I think there's a lot of misconceptions around manifestation. It's um, most people believe they just have to think about a Ferrari, print it out and put it on their dream board. And then they wake up in the Go next morning and there's a Ferrari in the garage. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> so it does require action, right? You cannot only think about it. Of course, of course. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> that's the law of attraction. Okay, I get it. It kind of makes sense, but only if you do something as well, obviously. I mean, this is not... Uh, wish uh, wishing contest life is not a wishing contest but the thing is as soon as you like start thinking very intensely about something you will see opportunities that's like uh, for example you are thinking about buying an audi or a lexus and suddenly you see lexus everywhere and it's the same with everything because your mind is just like this your brain filters out 90% of the information, right? Because it would be just way too much for us to take in. So as soon as you prime your mind for something, your brain will start looking for that stuff and filter out all the other shit. So that's how the manifestation really works, actually. As you're telling your brain, I want exactly this. And then your brain makes you see opportunities. And then you have to take action on those opportunities, obviously. Because luck is just the yeah, opportunity plus uh, preparation, right? That's what people call luck. <laughs> yeah, so, and most people know it from the opposite way. Most people, they, because you obviously attract what you put out, and yeah. most people, when they're always in the state of 
uh, anxiety or they're upset. And then obviously that's how, that's how other people look at you. That's how you interact with other people. And that's what you get back as well. And when you, when you always worried about what your boss might say, then you're not performing at your best. And then your work is maybe suffering. And then obviously that's the feedback that you will get because that's what you put out. And that, that's also, that's, I think the, the part of the secret, which is so incorrectly told, I think um, <laughs> yes. that you don't just, it just doesn't dis it does it just doesn't appear on your doorstep when you think about it it's just yeah you just when you always think or see yourself as i want to be this persona who obviously we are in trading we always want money i want to have this certain lifestyle and then you come up with ideas how to how to make it maybe when you always put it in your mind the manifestation that you want to be a better trader and have a certain lifestyle then you find the inspiration to journal as well and to to skip maybe netflix and do a little bit more of work here and there and that's i think how it, how it really works you, it, the the actions are always following the what you uh, yeah what you what you put into your mind yeah yeah and definitely. also one thing First, um, the people yeah. what they have in common in the secret is not that they all have a vision board i think it's also that they all just work ridiculously hard and have a good <laughs> work ethic. I think that's exactly. also misunderstood. It's just like the, this 10,000 hour rule. It's also very misunderstood. I don't think it, well, it maybe need 10, uh, require 10,000 hours, but who are the people in the book? They're always like the Bill Gates and the Warren Buffett and the number one hockey player of all times. But if you want to have success in life, you don't need to be the number one in the world. You can have a very successful life even if you're not the number one, if you're the number 10 or 20 or 100 or 1000, you can make a lot of money even without being the, without being the number one. And then it doesn't even require close to 10,000 hours. I think that's also misunderstood. Absolutely. I agree. Like when you're, when you're going to 1000, 2000 hours, you're probably already done 90% of the way. And the other 8,000 hours are the 10% perfection. But you don't need that to make a lot of dough or have success. No. And also, it, it depends more also on the quality of work, obviously. Uh, just just yeah. what you said, if you have your yeah. browser tab open in Netflix and then your phone and your dog and your wife and your kids are running around you, then the quality of work won't be as good. And then you can put in 10,000 hours and not get anything from it. Yeah, definitely. Like I, when I got out this morning, I had three hours of quality work time. And now I'm putting in another quality five hours so that gives me a standard office day, like a nine to five office day, eight hours in total. But I'm at least three times more productive than the typical office guy having a coffee in between, doing small talks, browsing the internet, meetings, all oh my meetings, <laughs> like meetings. Together we are more stupid. Awesome. Yeah. <laughs> so, That's yeah. Right. <laughs> okay. Let's shift once again. Um, the question is, how do you build your position size when you are profitable and you have some savings? How do you scale up? Mm, like a lot of people think as soon as they are profitable, they are going to throw all their money into their accounts and then make millions of dollars. But I don't think that's the right way because I experienced this. Actually, I got some money and I put everything at once into my account where I was already profitable and it totally messed with my psychology. So the way you want to do it is that it's good for your psychology and not bad. And the easiest way that I found for me 
eventually was that every profitable month, I would put in another 10K, right? So I would basically reward myself for trading well, and I would at the same time scale up my account slowly but steadily until I was completely invested, right? So that's for me the, the best way if you have savings. Don't be in, impatient, just uh, put in 10K first when you're profitable, then prove to yourself that you can actually trade with this amount and then double up. I mean, doubling up is uh, putting in another 10K is already quite tough, right? If suddenly your trades are worth 200 bucks, not 100 bucks when you lose. And that can already mess with your psychology. So you need to find out the right leveling <laughs> to slowly step up that staircase. And the same is true for getting investors on board. You have to scale up slowly, slowly and compounding will take care of the rest. So even if it takes you a year longer or two to uh, make the dough that you want to make right now, at least you're safe and you're making money along the way, you're feeling good, you're improving your trading at the same time because when there's too much money on the line, obviously you're gonna start making a lot of psychological mistakes as well and it's just not gonna help your trading at all. So be responsible and reasonable. And while you add or put new money in your account, do you keep your percentage risk the same or how do you yeah. do that? Yeah, always, I always risk a standard 1%. Sometimes I risk 2% depending on the quality of the trade or 0.5%. Um, yeah, that's just based on the whole bankroll. And obviously I don't have my whole account, my whole trading account at the broker. I use leverage and uh, I think banks are still more safe than brokers or more secure. <laughs> so no need to put all your money into a brokerage, just uh, mentally basically tell yourself, okay, now I'm trading 50,000. That's it. As soon as you, as, as long as you can pay for the, for the margin. <laughs> But then comes the, the question, um, or <laughs> we should tell people or people should know that, Don't just come up with, okay, I have a ten, uh, I have a $1,000 account. In my mind, it's like 10,000. So I'll just <laughs> my risk by 10%, uh, by a factor of 10. You should actually have that money. Like, <laughs> yeah. So you just, yeah. you have your, like your normal account, your spending account, and then you have your trading bank account on a bank maybe, and you just transfer it. Yeah, That's you actually probably that better. Yeah. <laughs> Don't go crazy. Yeah. <laughs> Liquidity, man. You always want to be liquid to take to take uh, advantage of opportunities that might arise, or maybe your broker goes bankrupt and you won't have to reload your account. So always be liquid. Always have some like money on the side which you can immediately throw at a trading account and keep going if something stupid happens. Right? Yeah, because being out of the game is the worst that can happen to you as a trader. And being out of the game can only happen when you run out of money. <laughs> yeah, but, but something I, I read, I don't know where, uh, um, I don't know who, but somebody basically said um, money you can always get back, but once you destroy your, your emotional capital, that's really when most people yeah. also give up. So when you have to the 100th time blown your account, because you did the martingale and added to your loss and whatever, yeah. that really hurts. Or when you have to learn a new strategy for the 200th time because 
you're just not able to stick with one and you feel like you're not making progress and uh, it's just yeah capital my uh, emotional capital is super important man. once you're burned out it's damn hard to get back on track so this is actually a question that i wanted to ask it's not from a uh, but it fits very nicely so because you just said it uh, when you have to learn a strategy for the 100th time um how do you define a trading strategy um and what is the because i i'm always i often think it's the strategy is like it's not there's a good strategy and there's a bad strategy obviously of course there's some elements which are which just don't work over long term like martingale but in the end it, i think a good trader can pretty much take a strategy and turn it into a good one of course only if the the strategy has some flexibility so if you have a very rigid um, system like a ergo where everything is very defined then there's no room for flexibility but yeah. i always think that you can take any strategy turn the screws a little bit how you enter the trade stops and targets and management position sizing yeah. and then you can make something out of it definitely definitely so right. system hopping is then actually even worse because you don't get at to the core of what a trading strategy is you you always have this wrong belief that a strategy is a a set of rules and then you apply it for 10 trades and then you see the rules don't work <laughs> and then you do something else but in the end it kind of comes down to can you become the trader that makes a trading strategy a good one and keeps adapting yeah i think so for sure like i uh I still learn continuously, like I read books and sometimes I buy trading courses from other people that have educational websites and just because I always want to keep learning, I always want to keep growing and if I like something, I can add it to my own strategy, for example, and I can now say easily, I can take any trading strategy out there, any discretionary systematic strategy and turn it into a profitable one that works for me in a matter of two or three months and that's just a skill set that i have acquired over the years but again i will not master that strategy like my own strategy which i have been trading for many years it's like a relationship like the deeper it gets and the more experience you have with it you will learn new facets of the strategy maybe you can tighten your stop here a little bit maybe it doesn't work so well on mondays or whatever it's like it's very uh Yeah, you, you can basically reduce your drawdowns and maximize your returns the longer you trade a strategy. But if you don't stick with it in the first place, which is like three months to six months or 50 trades roughly, should be enough to tell you, okay, the strategy is for me or it just doesn't feel right and then I need to move on or make it my own. Right? That's what I think. And how I define strategy is just uh, I have a trading plan And my trading plan discerns or between signal and noise. It tells me how to identify noise and it tells me how to identify signals and then I go with that. So noise and signal, that's how you select the markets or how you select trades in the end. What is a good setup, what is not a good setup or? Exactly, yeah. Just need a, a good, um, you need a good flow chart, I would say. <laughs> That's what I do for every strategy, having a nice flow chart. Like I do this, then I do this, then I do this, and then, yeah. 
Yeah, so that's also why I, I'm a very big believer in checklists and having like very clear processes. But then you also, you would also define like a training strategy more of like a set of cogs that you can turn around and adjust. And Definitely. it never stays really, it never stays fixed. You always have to keep adapting. Also, when I look at my strategy, um, even when I look at, because obviously we have a course, and when I look at the course, how I recorded it like two years ago, uh, and how it is now, it has completely changed. That's why I keep adding new videos, new videos, because I learned something new. I see the market is undergoing changes, uh, and then I have new ideas. And then, so you can never, that's also then, the problem of what do you define as profitable trading because it's not just like you become profitable and then that's it um, it has always uh, a development for a following just like when you said yeah. um, once you become profitable then you add 10 or 20k every month or 10 but um, how do you define profitable? That's also a very, very uh, deep question, actually. What is profitable for you? That's very hard to define. Most people have this belief that they need to make 100% a year to become profitable. And then obviously they never become profitable because that's just crazy. <laughs> but if you tell yourself, okay, profitable is making 1% every two months or just coming out ahead somehow, that's already profitable. That changes trading completely, I think. Yeah, definitely. Like for me, the way I have defined it is 50 trades. Like I want to be profitable over 50 trades, which is why every 50 trades, I also uh, compare my the performance of those 50 trades, to the last uh, 50 trades and the last 1000 trades I took and see how that balances out whether I'm in a running hot or running cold, for example, and so on. So yeah, if, if you can trade a strategy and over 50 trades, you turn a profit, which is not break even. It's basically you have a positive expectancy of, say, 0.5 R or better per trade. Then that is quite good. And you can keep going or adding uh, money to your strategy. That's how I do it. And that's had, has worked really well for me. If you have a strategy with a not so great win rate, might not work well for you uh, something you have to maybe you have to go up to 100 trades that's the number i see very often that traders look at their last 100 trades and see how they panned out but yeah being a profitable trader is a mindset it's not a result it's a process same like the guy said uh, you can give someone a million dollars doesn't make them a millionaire and being profitable over 50 trades doesn't make you a profitable trader. It could just be luck. You need the process and the mindset that turns you into a profitable trader and keeps you profitable. And uh, like Peter Brandt, he said, uh, after 40 years or 50 years in the business and he made 40% on average per year audited, which is amazing. And he said, I don't consider myself a profitable trader until I retire and never take a trade again. Uh, that's it. Yeah, there was something, I, I forgot, there's something similar I read to, not a trading-related topic, is, uh, yeah, it's like, because I think it's entrepreneurship, you're never really, because there can always happen something tomorrow that destroys your company or whatever, yeah. until you really, you retire or you quit or something. Yeah. So really, it's very important, actually, that someone defines what is profitable for them, yeah. so that they have something to work towards also and that can help them define okay i am i've reached it or i have not reached it yeah. uh, and it's 
Because when you I ask people it, how do you define profit or what is the, nobody asks themselves, I think, um, yeah. what means profitable for me. True, true. I think as long as you have a growth mindset and you try to become better 1% every day, you're going to be fine no matter what you do. But yeah, if you don't have that, every success that you ever had in your life is going to be very short-lived. Yeah, yeah. Okay, I think that's it with the questions. Um, maybe let's do something else. Uh, what is the book that you're currently reading? <laughs> the book I'm currently reading, well, I'm still reading the, um, by Michael Singer, The Untethered Soul, for the third time right now, because it's just so deep and I see something new every, every time I read it. And I can only read like three pages and that's it. Yeah. <laughs> and then think about it for a weekend. Yes. <laughs> that book is just amazing. Holy crap. Yeah. So that's what I'm reading right now. And then the next thing I want to read is the Shoe Dog, which you recommended. Shoe Dog. Yeah, it's cool. It's good yeah. for an audiobook. It's, it's more like a, yeah, it's just like a biography. So it's, you don't need to read it, but you just put it on audible. I think it's very cool. Uh, what, huh? what are you reading right now? Um, I'm reading one of from uh, Dispenser. Ah, okay, yeah. Um, I forgot which one. It's kind of getting weird with the quantum physics world. Quantum physics, yeah. Yeah, yeah, but it's, uh, weird it's stuff. what I really, and what I want to get actually is to what was, what is the, the most important or most interesting think quote concept that you have read about in the last few days that really stuck in your book or podcast or whatever you have done mm. for me it was definitely this the realization that it never ends like it, ne it really never ends like i always had that mindset also limiting belief that for example when i was younger i was playing world of warcraft with my buddies and everyone knows what I work with. <laughs> and I was playing and they were grinding like crazy. They wanted to get to the max level, level 60. And I just didn't want to go there because I was thinking, oh, what if I get to level 60 and then 10 years later no one is playing this game. So all the time I'm adding, I'm putting into this game now is wasted. But that's just the wrong mindset. You can directly take that into business or trading or whatever. It's like, what if I put all this time into trading right now and then two years later the world blows up? So why am I wasting my time right now? Or trading goes away because something stupid happens. Or why am I jogging so much if I become fat with 50 anyway? Or, you know, all those limiting beliefs that are 100% fixated on the result. And that's one limiting belief I really had to kill that you really, it, it never ends. Like there's no one day where you can say okay i made it that's it <laughs> yeah now i can just <laughs> it's just becoming one percent better every day as i said that's the the biggest limiting belief i think that people have is that they think they can stop the process someday because they made it you never really made it man it's just you have to do something every fucking day and you have to fall in love with it and then there's nothing stopping you zero so yeah i was reading about that in uh, and uh, oh, I was listening to that. I think it was Impact Theory with George Millet. Yeah, yeah, this one. And that one was really good. So I thought about that a lot. And I realized that I lost this limiting belief 
maybe two or three years ago, but it stuck with me for a long time and that stuff. <laughs> yeah, it's a, I recently thought about exactly this uh, unrelated because of um, I used to run a lot uh, yeah. because I was preparing for, for a marathon and then um, I got injured and then it took so long to, to recover. And then I, I remember, okay, actually, because then I gave up on this dream of running a marathon and then I just yeah. ran for, for the sake of running. But then I, I kind of felt demotivated because there was nothing that I was getting to. I was just running. And that's, <laughs> I think that's a very hard balance to find that you're just doing something for the sake of doing it, um, that you really have to enjoy that. So I, I came to the realization that running is maybe not, not the thing that is, is, that is bringing me this uh, continuous joy. But I think that's a very, very good point. So you really have to, and you, you get, I guess you see it once you eliminate that point in the future where you just say, okay, that's where I want to go. And then I will stop. Then you quickly realize if that's really something that you love. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Also, like if you have really that goal, but you really want to, you're in love with the result, but you're not in love with the process. Even if you can stick with the process and then finally realize that goal, you will feel empty as fuck once you reach it. Yeah. <laughs> because that's just uh, horrible, man. It's like, okay, the last five years I did this, I finally reached the result. What the heck did I do, man? I wasted my last five years and this feels good for two hours or so and that's it. Yeah, maximum, so, yeah. yeah. So you so really now, have to yeah. Yeah, be in love with the process and feel good about it when you wake up in the morning this is exactly what i want to do and then the results will take care of themselves has been said a million times but it's so hard to grasp this concept and i think it's also because of the fact that people choose something that they're not really passionate about you it really it's really tough also once you start something and you invest time and energy into it and then and you tell people around you and then you yeah. realize somehow deep inside of you, that's actually not what I, I really love about this. And then they're stuck. That's yeah. uh, I think that's tough. Yeah, it's kind of hard, especially if you told other people about it already. <laughs> yes. Like, I want to become the next super rock star and then you buy a guitar and two years later you're like, oh, no. <laughs> actually, I want to be the next superstar ping pong player. So what are you going to do? But I think it's, you have to be very... Um, honest with yourself and what I like to do when I'm in a situation like this is also meditate start meditating about this particular decision you have to make sit down for 30 minutes okay you could also just say sit down and thinking <laughs> but you can call it meditation to be fancy and yeah think about it for 30 minutes after that you will know what you have to do and that's actually something I listened to today um, that people just don't know themselves. Yeah. Uh, you really actually, whoops, <laughs> you don't know, <laughs> you don't know yourself at all because you're never alone with yourself and just observe yourself the next time when you're standing at the bus or waiting for, for whatever. You cannot be alone with yourself. You get anxious, then you pull out your phone and do something stupid or <laughs> just. I used to pull my phone out even on the red light. I was standing at the red light, pull out my phone. It's ridiculous. Yeah, I catch myself uh, more often now that when I take it, want to take it out of pocket, I said, no, that's just, just, it's all good, yeah. But it's, uh, yeah, that's, that's, I think, also the big problem that people don't know themselves and never spend time with themselves. 
Okay, one thing that yeah, one thing maybe that I um, it, it's from a different book or whatever. Uh, I think it's also from this monk guy. Um, I should lock up his name when I when I talk about him all the time. I think it's the London Real uh, podcast. I think this uh, it's he's called Ah Danda Pani. Um, it's a very good um, interview. And he said people always ask... I've never heard that. What's that? I think now we have this problem. I've never heard that. Okay. Um, yeah. So basically he said people ask him how do you become happy. Um, and he said just live a life that makes you happy. Um, it starts with um, talk to people that you enjoy talking to, that don't drag you down. Um, do activities that you enjoy. Stop wasting time on Netflix or just putting good food into your body and just create a life that makes you happy. And then the result, obviously, is happiness. Most people go through life on this autopilot and they're always um, reacting just what happens to them instead of designing their own lives. And that's one thing that I started doing a while back I because I realized that okay um, uh, making money is good but it's not really it's not what is going to make me happy every time we I check off a, a thing that I want to achieve uh, monetary or a thing that I wanted to buy it was nice for like 10 minutes but then um, it's always back to normal and then the next thing comes up but if but once I started to really design the life that I wanted um, that's really what makes me what really creates ongoing happiness it's uh, what do I do when I wake up I grab my book grab a coffee take out my dog in the park um, listen to a nice audio book then I come home work a bit go to the gym go to the sauna relax a little bit read a bit then in the afternoon I, I go out with my wife and to city or in the mountains or whatever um, I have people in my life that I enjoy talking to that really inspire me and motivate me, um, that challenge me. Um, you stop gossiping with other or about other yeah. people. And that's then that's how you create a happy life. It's not about what you're chasing or the next fix or the better app or something. I yeah, think that's yeah. really that's a good thought to carry around. Yeah. And I think the what you said about people, man, that's super underestimated. Hanging out with people that don't inspire you, I mean, besides family, is, I think it's a bad decision. Even if you have to lose some friends or make some new ones, but you have to spend time with people that work harder than you and smarter than you and have much more money than you and are more successful than you. And just, yeah, get inspired by them. That's a model that has worked for thousands of years. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yeah, people should should look at us. Um, what they don't see is uh, how we talk at Skype like 24 hours every day, talk about <laughs> mindset stuff and what you're reading, what I'm reading, what you're listening to, what inspires you, what motivates you. Uh, yeah. And it's not only about success, it's also people who, maybe you look up to someone who is a good family, uh, family like a husband or um, just generally a very self, um, like a confident guy. And then you pick something here, something here, something here. It's not only about hanging out with uh, like those big guys who are super successful. I think there are many like creative guy or, and then you just pick certain things. That sure. you like. And if, if you 
don't have someone like that in your life and you're shy, then I don't know, man, read autobiographies uh, by people that already have achieved what you want to achieve, for example, or that have achieved something in another field. And you can learn so much because it's just like a look into the brain of someone that has been massively successful. I, I think generally people read way too less. <laughs> yes. So I should read much more. Yeah, or just uh, uh, grab an audible. Yeah. <laughs> or as you are doing, when you wake up in the morning, you take 30 minutes for yourself and you read something. And those 30 minutes, just wake up 30 minutes earlier and go bed, go to bed 30 minutes earlier the night before and it's going to make such a huge impact in your life. And what are 30 minutes? Right. As one episode of whatever the fuck you are watching right now on Netflix. <laughs> And you haven't even watched Game of Thrones yet. <laughs> Still not. <laughs> when I'm getting spoiled. spoiled so hard, man. <laughs> I always want to spoil it, but... <laughs> All right. Even, th- even my mom said, like, oh, the new uh, season is not so good, man. Actually, she said it sucks. When <laughs> no, no, no. She's just protecting you. <laughs> All right. <laughs> it's really good. All right. Uh, I think that's it. Uh, we are doing no, 50 minutes. I think that's a good time. Yes. And so what's next for you? I'm gonna try windsurfing now. Down there. Thailand? There's a lot of wind. And they said they have uh, windsurfing down there. So I will will check that out. And then after that we go to this restaurant that I told you about yesterday where they have the little pizza oven on the table and you make your own pizza. Nice. (laughs) And you bake it for yourself. That's really good. Uh, it's like a little boy in me. It's gonna be very happy. Yeah. What about you? <laughs> Pizza always tastes better when you're in Asia because yeah, you miss it. Mm. Even yeah. it's not the best pizza. <laughs> uh, yesterday I had to wait for three hours to get into a Thai food restaurant. So today my girlfriend has to make it up for me. Oh yeah, I know that. <laughs> <laughs> for me today, not too much anymore. Just uh, oh yeah, I go later. Now it's just work day and then later tonight it's uh, I usually like to end my day with something that I really, really enjoy, some me time. So I go to the to yoga first uh, and then sauna, maybe massage. Uh, and then tomorrow, no, on, on Thursday, I go to this uh, Bundesgartenschau to ah, yeah, my hometown. Yeah, nice. to just check out some flowers with my wife. And that's it. <laughs> yeah, nothing. Perfect life. Yes. <laughs> All right. So, so um, I hope you guys enjoy that and make sure to really leave a comment or a question um, below wherever you're watching this so that next time we can answer different questions, more questions. Um, yep. And thank you for watching and thank you for all the great feedback. Take yep, care. Absolutely. Cheers. Bye bye.